Welcome to On the Edge with Liza Pullman. On the Edge explores the frontier of human potential. What really is possible? Experts in medicine, business, science, and belief systems divulge methods and pathways to productivity, profitability, well-being, freedom, and happiness. Now, here's your host, Liza Pullman. Today on the show, we will be sharing the pathway to permanent emotional health and self-awareness. That is a big promise, but that is not only our guest promise, but my own. This work is revolutionary. Is that a big enough statement, Frank? It's a pretty big statement, but I'm going to back it. (laughs) A little bit about our guest today. Dr. Frank Anderson is one of the nation's leading mental health professionals, specializing in treatment of trauma and disassociation, committed to promoting compassion, hope, healing, and nonviolence in a troubled world. Dr. Anderson specializes in understanding and treating the effects of psychic pain and trauma from attending the Spirit of Humanity Conference in Iceland and counseling survivors immediately following 9-11 in New York City to meeting the Dalai Lama and collaborating with Disney and Pixar. He remains active and engaged in his profession. Dr. Anderson also travels around the world as a proponent and instructor of the Internal Family Systems which is IFS, psychotherapeutic modality, an evidence-based treatment that offers an accelerated path to self-awareness and permanent emotional healing. I have experienced this work, and I have shared it with others, and it is groundbreaking. How did you get involved in this work? Well, let me just say, wow, that sounded really impressive and exciting. <laughs> I want to, I, I want to meet that guy. <laughs> and, you are that guy. <laughs> I guess so. And, and interestingly enough, when I was hearing you, it kind of, I was like, wow, none of that stuff at all was any of my intention ever. It mm-hmm. is absolutely what happens and evolves. When I'm in self and I'm open to what the world has to offer. So it was interesting to hear that be read to me in this way because I thought, you know, I'm just experiencing myself. I'm being with my parts. I'm living my passion. And then all these cool, amazing things unfold as a result of it. So it was an interesting little exercise for me right there. Um, and I really feel like everybody, this is what's so um, powerful and groundbreaking and revolutionary about it. That's, I'm just me. I'm Frank. <laughs> and when we all get connected to ourselves and our full potential and be with our parts, amazing things can happen. So I say this thing a little bit, um, when I do teaching is I'm not only the hair club president, right? I'm a member <laughs> and it's kind of just walking the talk and being in your truth in this way is powerful for everyone. Um, not just for me. Um, and that's partly why it's spreading throughout the world like wildfire. So, um, and he's, you know, Frank is giving you some hints, right? He's talking about his self and yeah. his parts. 
and we're going to get deeper and deeper into this, but it's nothing like you've experienced before if you're not familiar with this work. So let's go into the origin of this work. How did this start? Yeah, certainly. Um, it's really interesting because for those of you who know or don't know, Dick Schwartz is the founder of Internal Family Systems, and he'll even say, I'm not really the founder. It kind of is what got brought to me and what is channeled right through me. So he in some ways doesn't even take full credit for it. Mm-hmm. He says, this is what I'm here to bring. But now it's been about 40 years, okay? It's a very kind of grassroots, organic um, mode of psychotherapy, which is really being, you know, used in all these other modalities, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But he started way back when um, in Chicago, um, working with eating disordered clients and um, kids in juvenile detention homes. And he was a family therapist and he is a family therapist by trade. So he started with family therapy. And then as he worked with these eating disordered clients and young kids, um, noticed, wow, they have these kind of families within. They just naturally and spontaneously, the kids started talking about a part of me feels this way and a part of me feels this way. And he, you know, will say that he started with his agenda around what we're supposed to do as therapists. And he kept bumping up against what he was hearing from his clients organically and just kind of let go of his agenda and started listening and following them in their process. And that's really how he learned, oh, my gosh, we all have parts. Everybody has them. They interact with each other, sometimes smoothly, and other times they're in big old battles with each other, just like the work I did in family therapy, for example. And so he has really in this organic way, stayed, stayed and follow the clients and has been really open to kind of being with them on their journey. And that's really how it evolved. People started experiencing it themselves and started joining up with him. Oh, I love this. This is really cool. I want to be a member of this group. And so it's really grown quite enormously um, in a way, but it's because of that experience of self-connection. Um, it's been really powerful. And originally, like you said, it was used to treat specific types of, and trust me, my terminology will not be perfect here, behavior. I don't yep. know if that's the correct way of saying that. For yep. example, the eating disorders or the kids for who for some reason had made decisions that landed them in juvenile detention. Yep. But it actually applies to everyone. That's right. Yeah. So um, and the other thing, so I'll say this, it's rooted in parts, right? We, we talk about everybody um, has parts and they're normal. Okay. Um, your people can walk away saying, oh my gosh, am I Sybil? Do I have multiple personality disorder? And they kind of say, well, yeah, we all do to some degree because we all have parts. The field, mental health field, has always pathologized these parts. And as Dick sits with them and as we as clinicians sit with them, say, hey, these parts have positive intentions. All of them do, even the, quote, bad ones or the ones that society doesn't like, which were originated in these eating disordered clients, you know, um, kids that get in trouble with the law because they do nasty things, when you sit with them and listen to their intent, 
They all have positive intentions. And that's something that really kind of freaks people out when they get involved in IFS. What do you mean? The suicidal part, the heroin using part, the cutting parts have positive intentions? Because as our field is taught, we're supposed to get rid of these. And if you do managed care within 10 sessions, right? But this is a totally different mindset. The other thing I'll say about it around, you know, it applies to everything is that these parts we find out are systems. They work together in a system and that these different systems work well together or not so well together, just like any organization or business. So we have these systems within. Um, and so what we've learned about and as we sit with people is this is not at all just about mental health issues, that this is a paradigm for living. We all have different systems within us. We are all interacting in the world. Um, and we all have positive intentions, okay? And when things get polarized, is what IFS calls them, we get into these battles, either within or without, okay? And so Lord knows we are in a polarized world right now in a big old way. Right. And these are different parts of the same coin in some way that people are all trying to protect themselves in these ways. And it's not working so well right now because we're really at these opposite ends. So we're using this modality now in a lot of ways outside of psychotherapy. I could speak to some of those now or, you know, we can talk about that later. That's totally up to you. Well, I just wanted to make this a little bit more palatable for people. And, you know, I'll use um, myself as a reference that I interact with different people at any moment in time from a different part of myself. You know, yep. depending on if I'm in a more formal situation or a less formal situation, if I'm in an intimate relationship and how I behave is not always in my control. So if I'm interacting with someone and I get, I use like, like the word triggered, you know, triggered, yeah. something they say hurts me or brings me back to another place that I'll suddenly shift into another part of myself that I don't necessarily feel so in control of. And, you know, for some that may manifest as anger or defensiveness or something else. That's right. Yeah, I could speak to that a little bit. And, um, this is, um, the way we talk about it in IFS is kind of, are we in the part or are we with the part? Mm-hmm. Our language is, are we blended or are we separated or unblended? Okay. And honestly, most people spend most of their day in their parts. Okay. <laughs> and this is what you're doing when you're driving in the car and somebody cuts you off. Okay. You get in a part in a big old way, right? Road yeah, rage. The fingers yeah. go up. You got it. Okay. And anybody who's in any kind of intimate relationship knows this well. You know, when you say something like, I am so pissed at you. That's when you're fully in your pissed part. Mm-hmm. The implication for the receiver of that information is that all of you feels all of that about all of me. Okay. And the natural response to that is, oh, yeah, well, you're a blah, blah, blah. Okay. And that's when we're full on in our parts. 
Okay? And it's very different when you say, a part of me is so mad right now. Because energetically that feels like, oh, okay, a part of her is mad or a part of him is mad. The implication is other parts feel other things about me. And it's easier to take. Okay? And that's a big difference. This is why most people don't have that awareness. Okay? I'm going to bring this up now because it feels like the right time. This is all of what this Pixar project is about. Okay? Mm. And for any people who have seen the movie Inside Out. Loved, loved that movie. Isn't it amazing? I said at our annual conference a couple years ago, oh, look, Pixar did a movie about IFS. Isn't that wonderful? (laughs) (laughs) They had no idea that IFS existed. They didn't know that there was modality at all. And, you know, through this crazy series of events, I was able to touch, talk to the producers and the directors of the movie in a way that was wonderful. And they said, wow, oh my gosh, we're entertaining people. Um, and if we can have a positive impact, that's awesome. So we're partnering on this project. But the reason I bring it up now is because if you look at, for those of you who saw the movie, Riley, who's the self, if you will, mm-hmm. um, All of her emotions, joy, sadness, anger, fear, and disgust, are kind of all in. Every time they speak, they're fully, like, anger is all anger. Joy is all joy. You know, sadness says nothing but sadness. Beautifully done at the end of the movie, they start sharing experiences together where they hold hands or touch each other. The memories can be yellow and blue. That, you know, we can be both sad and angry. That this integration of our emotions as opposed to just being fully in one or fully in the other. So Inside Out's a great reference to this parts thing. I say, what do you mean? The difference is, is that Riley wasn't actually ultimately aware and in control of her parts. They left it with the parts themselves. You got it. And we need to take a short break. I've been speaking with Dr. Frank Anderson about his revolutionary work healing emotional wounds through self-awareness. We will be back in a few minutes. Welcome back to On the Edge. Here's Liza Pullman. In this segment, Dr. Anderson is going to guide you through a powerful process of self-awareness after we talk a little bit more about self-awareness. So, Frank, we ended talking about that amazing movie, Inside Out, where all the emotions started to work together at the end of the movie. But when they ended it, Riley was not part of being aware that this was all going on inside of her. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, it's interesting because I've talked to the um, folks over there at Pixar around what is seemingly a lack of self-awareness in Riley. And that was a deliberate decision on their part. Um, at one point in one iteration of the movie, they actually had a microphone on the control panel so that the emotions would be able to say, hey, Riley, what about this? Hey, Riley, what about this? And because of creative reasons, they decided to make Riley unaware because they wanted the emotions to be kind of the, the main characters of the movie. So that was kind of a creative license. And they're okay with us bringing in this idea of self-awareness. That's really important to us in IFS because this thing IFS calls self-energy, 
or self-awareness is a jewel for all of us. We believe that everybody has it. Everybody's born with it. It doesn't need to be cultivated. It's a natural, inherent inner wisdom. And what we do in IFS is we access that place within all of us by working with our parts up front, having them step back and relax a little bit so they're not fully all in. And what we found is that self naturally emerges and it has inherent wisdom and inherent healing capacity. And a lot of people will say, especially those people who are really traumatized or, you know, um, badly wounded, I don't have a self. I'm empty. I have no core, right? And I say, well, I totally get that you may feel that way, but I feel differently. We all have a self. It's accessible when our parts relax. And most of us live most of our life in our parts. So part of what we do in IFS is really help people identify their parts, become aware of them, learn about the positive intentions of those parts, and then introduce self as a real helper and guide to this process. So how would someone know they're in self? Because it's very specific. Yes, it's very specific. The way I talk about self, and we'll talk about this a little bit later because I just um, wrote a manual on IFS talking a little bit about the science maybe behind self or what some of the science is around it or at least what we think. I think of self as a state of being. I think it's a place of maximum integration internally and externally. So for me, this idea of self was really an intellectual idea for a while until I embodied it and experienced it. And it took me about a year, honestly, to really feel what it felt like. Okay. And it's different than parts. You know, some of what we talk about with self and we use these words that help people kind of, oh, okay, I get it. You know, compassionate. Calm, clear, connected, curious. Okay, we all have felt those things before. And when we can embody that, it's a different place of being in and interacting in the world. And that's what we're talking about when we talk about self. Some people get there through meditation. It's a way to access self-energy. Other people don't. So, you know, some people access it through uh, nature. Mm-hmm. Right. And they get into that like core peaceful place inside. So that, that's kind of what we talk about when we're talking about self. It's very experiential. So you have a guided activity that you want to take us through that's going yeah. to give us a sneak peek. Maybe it's more than a sneak peek into our internal world, our family of parts exactly right um it's it's a it's a you know five minute little meditation um and i think it just helps people um get a sense of what's going on inside sometimes people love being inside sometimes it's really difficult Mm -hmm. so why don't we start now and you know people can have their own experience with this um the way i like to start this meditation is i ask people to shift their attention and their awareness inside, internally. Now, some people may want to close their eyes. Some people 
don't feel comfortable closing their eyes. Either way is fine. It's more about shifting your attention from the outside to the inside. And as you do that, I'm going to ask you to notice any thoughts, any feelings, or any physical sensations that come up for you. You may be hearing a lot of thoughts. You may be noticing you're back on a chair or a couch. Just notice any thoughts, feelings, or sensations. And if you do, I'm going to ask you to try to get curious about those. Why are they there? Are they wanting to share anything with you? Are they holding anything for you? Just get curious about whatever comes up inside. Is it something familiar? Is it totally new? Is it hard to focus on them because you notice other things keep trying to distract you? Just get curious about whatever shows up in there. Maybe you're not noticing much of anything, and that's okay. Notice that and be curious about that, the block or the emptiness. And if you are learning anything here, if these thoughts, feelings, or sensations are sharing something, see if you can extend gratitude toward them. And notice how they respond to the gratitude. Even if it's negative. Maybe this is something that would require further follow-up. Maybe you can make that intention that you'll follow this up at a later time. Maybe not. But again, just thank whatever showed up for showing up. And when it feels right, come back to the room. One of the things Mm -hmm. I'd like to say, and this always happens, I'm noticing the way your breathing has changed, Mm -hmm. right? And I'm wanting people who just did participate in that meditation to notice the shift in their own energy. That what happens when we do shift our attention and focus inside for a couple minutes? It really does change our energy. I noticed surprise 
from the inside that gratitude was being expressed. Like, really? You're thanking us now? Exactly. <laughs> like, is that real? You yeah. really thanking us? Like, that's a long time in coming. <laughs> you, we hear often from parts when we do, when we're able to be with them instead of in them, and they do experience some gratitude, they say it's about time. Mm-hmm. Because I think of parts like hamsters on a wheel. They're working really, really hard all the time on their own to try to help us. And when they experience somebody seeing them, knowing them, and appreciating them, mm-hmm. it has a huge effect on them. So that's exactly right. It's very common for that gratitude or compassion and appreciation to be experienced internally. Because oftentimes what happens with our parts is they have a positive intent, but the effect that they have in the world is very different. And they're often seen for their effect, not their intent. There also was this sense, I sensed that there were parts inside of me. And, you know, I've done this parts work, right? But it's a it's a lifelong process and often new parts emerge. I, I sense there were parts inside of me that felt seen for the first time. It, it was it was like not just gratitude from the parts that have been working, 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 but other ones like, did she actually see me? Was I just yeah. seen for the first time? That's right. Yeah, that's right. And that's quite powerful. And that's the self-connection or self-awareness that we're talking about that most of us don't spend much time in. We're mostly externally focused. There's so much to be externally focused on. We take very little time to stop and go inside to see what's what's up. And parts really, really appreciate that. And I noticed there's... There's some inside of me that feel much bigger and more omnipresent. And I'm curious what you recommend the next step be if in this. You've done this meditation with people. They're sitting in a room or they're listeners and they, they sense these pieces. Maybe it's only one. Maybe it's five or six or more. What then to bring more awareness, awareness, back to our word awareness, to this part. Yeah, so that's exactly right. You know, people get, you know, people don't know what parts are, right? What do you mean part? I'm not Sybil, as I kind of said before, but everybody has thoughts or feelings or physical sensations, you know, and so it's a, this entry point. It's kind of the beginning of this ex- this internal exploration. So if you did during that uh, meditation experience something and want to get to know it more or got frightened by it or nervous by it, it's the beginning of getting to know that part, its job, its fear, um, getting to know which system it's involved in, okay? What's the larger context in which this part is operating. Because most of the parts, the big scary ones, or the ones that, you know, make us eat too much, exercise too much, drink too much, whatever, you know, mental health calls those symptoms. We call them parts. Mm. Okay? And so it's about getting to know that part better and knowing what it's trying to do for you. 
and then having ourself be able to help in a different kind of way. So it's the beginning of an exploration um, and an appreciation for what our internal world is trying to do to help us. So these big, scary parts often are protecting a wound inside. And these big, scary parts tend to be just at the same age that the wound occurred. What I mean by that is somebody could have, say, a suicidal part or a drinking part, and it may have become into that role of wanting to die or wanting to drink during a certain wounding experience. When I was 16, I was shamed publicly in front of my friends, okay, or some, you know, whatever wound occurred, a protective part showed up there and said, okay, fine, I'm going to stop this pain from ever happening. So most of these parts we meet really have a protective function for a wound that we're carrying. And what we say in IFS is instead of doing that over and over again, because the parts do know it's not effective, they know they, it's not effective, but they don't have another alternative. What we offer in IFS is this idea of permanent healing. Say, hey, what if we can help heal that wound? Maybe you won't have to do this job anymore. And they really like that. You know, they're tired, they're overworking, and they haven't had an alternative yet. Just like you said, they haven't been seen before. We're also saying, hey, there's a way that you don't have to do this anymore. Are you interested? And they really so, like that. So let's spend a little bit more time on that, but we need to take a short break. I've been speaking with Dr. Frank Anderson about his revolutionary work with internal family systems healing emotional wounds, and self-awareness. We'll be back in a few minutes. You're listening to On the Edge with Liza Pullman on TalkZone.com. Now, back to the program. If you missed the last segment... Please listen to the recording because Frank did a very powerful meditation that brought awareness to our hearts that make up this internal family system, a powerful form of treatment that really is revolutionary and every single person benefits from this work. So we ended talking about that sometimes we have these very big parts. Um, I think we even said scary big parts. And and you had mentioned that there's origins to these parts that often come that, you know, come out of childhood, some event in childhood where this part steps in. But I know that some people, when this work is introduced to them, have resistance because of the perception that having different parts of us somehow makes us crazy. Yeah, there is that perception because society and culture has really fostered and fueled that perception, you know. So it's a re it's a real phenomenon for people. Hey, wait a minute, I'm not crazy. Um, there's also was this kind of pop psychology several years ago about hug your inner child, hug your inner teddy bear. So people go, oh, I'm not going there either. So both, you know, this idea of going inside and working with their parts has some negative press in our culture. You know, we're supposed to be one and handle everything, right? Mm -hmm. And we just, we have a very different view in IFS. And, you know, we, we say we all have parts, 
We're born with them. Um, and from the wounding perspective, okay, parts in the way that IFS categorizes them is in three ways. We have parts that hold wounds or burdens. IFS calls those exiled parts. And our psyche tries to push them away or exile them. We also have parts that work really, really hard to keep all the pain away, right? Most of society and culture likes these parts, okay? IFS calls them managers. A good manager makes a business run well or makes a household run well, right? And these are parts that are hardworking, that are funny, that avoid conflict, that like to be liked. So people like these parts. Bosses really like these parts, right? Um, kids like these parts in our parents. So those, those parts of us don't get bad press. You know, when you were saying earlier the big scary parts, these are the ones that culture doesn't like, okay? The ones that yell and scream, the ones that rage, the ones that numb out and dissociate or cut or drink or have sex or binge and purge, like these are these big scary parts that, believe me, the mental health field spends a lot of money on trying to get rid of, right? IFS, again, has this very different perspective. Those big scary parts, we call those firefighters. (laughs) And the reason we call them firefighters is because they come out once that wound is triggered, And they say, all right, I don't give a crap. I'm going to stop this pain no matter what. And they will do anything to stop their pain. And they don't care about anybody. Okay? But the thing that's really important to understand about these big, scary parts is they're doing a really important job. They're Mm -hmm. trying to stop pain. This is how we have positive, positive intent for them. They're just trying to stop pain. And we're saying, I get it. What are you trying to, what pain are you trying to stop here? They're protecting a wound that has been triggered. So this is how we normalize when you start listening to these parts. And we hear this over and over and over again. You know, we hear, what do you mean heroin's a good thing? Well, okay, this is an epidemic that we have in our culture right now, right? I'm saying, no, wait a minute, let's talk to the part that shoots heroin. What's it trying to do? Who's it protecting in there? I know that something has been triggered, and that's why it's doing it. And then when the part says, hey, finally, somebody's listening, there's the beginning of a dialogue around how to fix this problem differently. Okay, and one of the things that, you know, we've done in um, one of one of my many hats that I hold is um, one of the executive directors for the Foundation for Self-Leadership, which is this organization that advances IFS. We're starting to do research here now and we're looking at the science behind this model because so many people experience it. And, you know, you need to prove in this world that we live in that there's some validity here. We're fortunate to have had IFS now become an evidence-based practice, which is wonderful, so that we've done a study on rheumatoid arthritis, for example. This is one of those applications in a general way. This was not a mental health issue, right? A bunch of people with rheumatoid arthritis were getting a new drug, and in comparison, they were doing IFS on their parts that had joint pain. 
And it was a fascinating study, you know, and what we found was the, that a lot of the people who were in the study who had pretty severe rheumatoid arthritis, when they started working with those parts of them, realized that the function and role of the part was to stop these people from caretaking so much. And that the part said the only way I could stop you from taking care of the kids, taking care of your husband, taking care of the church, the PTA, is to literally have your joints not move. So you have to sit in a chair. It was really an attempt at self-care. Well, and that brings in a whole other element, which is, and this comes up on some other shows here, that your health ailments are often symptoms of something else. You got it. I think of IFS as real mind-body medicine, not just theoretical, because mm-hmm. I grew up in the medical community, and it's a, it's a nice catchphrase, mind-body medicine, but are we really working on that intersection between what is biological and what is genetic, because there mm-hmm. is a component of that, and what is psychological or emotionally mediated? Mm-hmm. And to tell you the truth, when you start going inside and asking, it's often a combination of both. Mm-hmm. So I, there's by no means do I want to say to anybody, you're causing these things on yourself. That is not the message here at all. It's more about there's a real important intersection between the effect that our emotions, our thoughts have on our biology. And how do we work with that in an and kind of way, not in an or kind of way? Mm-hmm. I, you know, I know someone who had a self-identified part that prevented her from leaving her home to protect her and keep her in her home. And it would cause accidents to happen to her. Mass, she would stub her toe horrifically, something, you know, oh, she'd burn herself, you know, something would always happen. And then the, the, the part would say, see, it's, it's not, you need to stay home. You shouldn't go out. You know, you uh, could get injured. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. It, it happens all the time like that. It, the, the, what, what, end, what we find is that nobody's asking. That's the problem. Mm -hmm. It's not that it's not happening. I mean, as a psychiatrist who does therapy, I I can't tell you how many people come in with sleep trouble. I have Mm -hmm. trouble sleeping. I have trouble sleeping. We kind of don't have great Mm -hmm. medicines for sleep. Mm -hmm. But when you start asking who doesn't want to sleep and why, Mm -hmm. hello, you learn a ton of things. Yeah, you you do. One client is like, I don't want, I'm the one who blocked that medicine from working. Mm-hmm. I'm the one who has to be vigilant because bad, scary things happened at mm-hmm. night in the bed. So when you start working with that part who needs to stay awake and be vigilant, you know, there's a bunch of negotiations. For example, I'll let the drug work if you sleep on the couch instead of in the bed, mm-hmm. for example. So there's a whole bunch of ways to work with that intersection. You know, I talk about this a lot when I lecture the medical community has this 34% placebo effect in every single study. It's reproducible. I'm like, mm-hmm. what is this placebo effect? Mm-hmm. Huh? Like, are we talking about the effect of parts that if they think a medicine's going to work, in fact, it does when they're getting, getting a sugar pill? Why isn't the opposite true, too? Can't parts stop meds from working? Mm-hmm. You know, So there's a huge internal world to be explored here uh, that can have a, that does have a huge impact. 
Um, well, and there's a basis in this in the ancient medicines. You know, if you go back to the ancient, you know, the shamans and the Asian medicines, they would tell you, you know what? We told you this a long time ago. <laughs> That's exactly right. You know, you guys have just put a new name on it and now you got science to back you up. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Um, we have not invented this wheel. Believe me. It's, you're right. We're packaging it differently because of this is today's culture. Dick's, you know, Dick Schwartz has kind of brought it to us in this kind of way. And we are, you know, in, in the mental health field, it's kind of the decade of the brain. We're now starting to put some legitimacy to what people have been doing and know have been working for years. One of the things, another study we've done um, is on PTSD or what we call complex trauma, relational emotional trauma. And we had wonderfully positive results with PTSD. I think we had 13 subjects who had PTSD. One left the study after four months who qualified for minimal PTSD. So 12 subjects, you know, no longer with PTSD or trauma after going in and exploring what's going on with their parts, but also healing those wounds. One of the things I want to talk about here, which I find very exciting, is the way that we know the mind and the brain work together. There's the mind, which is our imagination, our thoughts, feelings, and sensations live in the mind, maybe, if you will, and how they affect the structures in the brain. Okay, the neurons, the receptors, the um, neurotransmitters. There's this piece of science called memory reconsolidation that says, actually, we can reorganize and rewire neural networks in the brain through the mind, which is what I think is happening in IFS when we're healing a wound, is that we're really reorganizing a neural network that was over or under functioning in a way that isn't helpful and isn't integrated. And when we do this specific kind of healing work, we can reorganize neural networks in a way that they can then integrate back into the whole system, okay, within our brains and in our body. It's really exciting and we're working on proving this, you know, that IFS does this specifically. But there is this body of science that says this is possible. We could rewire the brain at the, at the synaptic level. Um, and I, I just love being a part of this new frontier that we're proving what most therapists kind of already know. But, you know, uh, psychology has been kind of a soft science. And now we're really starting to put these pieces together in a way that's really exciting. You know, I, I'm so happy that science is coming to terms with this. And I believe that this system had to be developed. Internal part system had to be developed, internal family systems, in order for science to catch up because it wasn't digestible in its other forms. Mm -hmm. And other methods weren't effective in treating what this treats. It's well, it's interesting. Let me say a little bit about that, because, you know, in the way that you said, like, oh, we're not the first ones to come up with this. Ancient medicine has been looking at this for a long time. I totally think that's true. We haven't had the science to back it. And I also think that 
different other modalities can access and tap into this also. So I don't want to say IFS is the only way to do this. What I think of and the way I teach it is IFS is kind of the most complete package. It really encompasses body work, cognitive work, and emotional work. It also, as we access self-energy, can include spirituality. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it includes so many different dimensions. I think about it as the complete package. This is kind of my view. And therefore, it's very applicable. And then it's easier for the science to kind of attach to it in some way because I feel like it's a very complete model. So that's one of the things I like about it. And when people start experiencing it, they can really feel the effects, and it just kind of snowballs on itself in a positive way. I'm going to say I think it's the most powerful modality because it doesn't matter where you are on the spectrum. Yes. Everyone is welcome, and everyone can embrace their parts, and everyone can feel whole. We need to take a short break. We have been experiencing the work of Dr. Frank Anderson. We'll be back in a few minutes. You're listening to On the Edge with Liza Pullman on TalkZone.com. Now, back to the program. If you've missed the last three segments, please go back and listen, because this is powerful work with unbelievable changes to every single person's life who it touches. Frank, let's go beyond the psychotherapy of this practice. What, how are you bringing this to the world? Because the world needs this. That's exactly right. And that's one of the things that I'm so excited to be a part of. You know, I did my training as a psychiatrist. I work at a trauma center. So I've worked a lot with trauma and in the mental health field have been working this for a while now. Um, but it's very clear to us this is larger than mental health. It's very clear. And I said this earlier in the program. This is a paradigm for living. This is a way for people to live in the world, is to be aware of their own parts, to be in relationship to their parts, to speak for their parts, to do that internal healing, and to interact with other people with their parts, not from their parts. So what we have found is that... um, People are just kind of all over the place. We're, we're, we're using applications, IFS applications, in so many different ways. Um, when I was in Iceland, um, there was um, the Spirit of Humanity Forum was about bringing love and compassion to businesses. And it was like a global community. And there were so many kind of organizations that were kind of and, and becoming much more profitable <laughs> really than the bottom line. It's all about the buck, treating people respectfully, working around people's parts, listening to people like it really has in some businesses that use compassion, um, self-awareness have much better business kind of results. You know, we're talking about in the legal system, for example, we have some people, certainly in in the Boston area where I am, mediation law, you know, using IFS in law, um, in mediation and relationships. And, you know, it makes those negotiations so 
different when people are not in their parts fighting for protection, but they're actually able to hear somebody else's parts, speak for their parts, and come up with a different kind of solution um, in mediation law. So it's had a huge effect in that. Um, there are people using this in jails. Okay, as we said, these juvenile, you know, the, some of the juvenile folks that Dick worked with years ago, most people who get into jail are because their firefighter parts did some extreme thing, mostly from a self-protective perspective. Okay, and so we're go- we're working about mo- doing IFS groups, bringing more self-awareness into jails. Okay, so these quote criminals are able to get curious not feel so judged and be able to look at what part of me was doing what for why and then how to heal that. Okay. Um, we're using it in schools. Okay. Um, we have a program at the, uh, with the foundation right now um, in which we're bringing this. There's a, uh, a group doing this up in the inner, inner city school system um, in Minnesota and teaching teachers how to help kids be aware of their parts, speak from their parts, access their self. And the difference in discipline and the difference in learning when we're not only in our parts has been huge. So it's like it's a pilot program that we're doing and it's kind of teaching the teachers, which has been super valuable because teachers can teach differently when they see kids are in their parts as opposed to trying to stop the behavior to get them to learn. Right. Well, and when teachers don't get triggered and step into some other part, it makes them much more effective in dealing with students that trigger them. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's not only useful for the teachers to be aware of their own parts and the parts of them that get triggered, but to be able to see the students, you know, in their parts and how to help them unblend, as IFS says, and, you know, speak for their parts instead of from them. So we're really excited about that. Um, you know, this is something that's really powerful in couples, you know, relationships in couples, where, you know, um, my spouse is always like, yeah, yeah, I know, a part of me, a part of me. Right. But it really makes relationships better when we're able to just be in any relationship that we're in, whether it's a friendship, you know, to be able to work through conflict in a very different way when we're separated enough to hear from our parts and speak for them instead of from them makes a huge difference. I have to do that in my relationships and (laughs) business partnerships, you know, because in business partnerships, you're so close. It's so easy to trigger each other. And, you know, we have to talk about our parts and what they triggered. It's so healthy. We're, we're doing this in sports too. This is part of what the Pixar project is about, that we're working in collaboration with another foundation called Education for Peace, um, around bringing this to sports because so much gets hap- so much gets played out on the field, right? And for kids, we're working with sports and kids for kids to be able to look at themselves, see um, what their parts are doing and why or not act out. Like one, one of the um, people that we're looking at working with, um, one of the sports figures, like did this, a soccer player who did a big headbutt, um, got red carded and kicked out of the game. Okay. And that was a part of him that reacted to another player saying something mean to him. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. And what he's learning and what he's learned through IFS is like, oh, if I had that self-awareness that a part of me was mad, I wouldn't have had to act out in that way. So it really can change behavior on the sports field, in the school, in the home, um, at work. Um, so we're really working on bringing it um, to the world in a different way. Self-awareness is for everyone in every dimension. And I want to go back to, I'm going to call them your five C's, and maybe you called them your five C's, right? If you're not in a compassionate, calm, clear, and connected space, you're not in self. Yes. You're in a part. So if there's something happening in your life that's taking you out of that space, you need to understand where you are and to self-identify those parts of yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. All parts have an agenda and an intention. And when, you know, nobody's in self 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's not realistic. Mm -hmm. It's more about the, the awareness. When am I in a part? When am I not in a part? How do I get out of a part and be with the part? So it's the movement and the flow. Um, because, you know, it's not, like I said, nobody's in, in self 24 seven. Um, but, it's, it's a much different way of being in the world when we can identify, you know, take responsibility for your actions and what you say, as opposed to blaming the other person for what they did to you. Right. So speaking to that, I know there are a lot of individuals out there that are now wondering, how can I, how can I learn more about my parts? How can I do this? And on the other hand, I know we, that there are practitioners listening to this that yeah. also need to utilize this methodology in their work. How can they do more, get in touch? Yeah, sure. I'll give you a, a, a lot of different resources. So, you know, if people want to learn more about me and my work, they can certainly go to my website, which is frankandersonmd.com. Uh, the foundations work, the non-for-profit organization, which I talked about, that does research and scholarship and advocacy beyond psychotherapy. Um, the website for this uh, Foundation for Self-Leadership is foundationifs.org. And for the trainings, uh, mostly for therapists at this point, but we're working on beyond psychotherapy curriculum, as I told you, the Center for Self-Leadership that does most of the trainings, their website is selfleadership.org. Um, and, you know, we have online trainings, we have live trainings, they, you know, Dick and I and many other trainers do workshops throughout the, you know, throughout the country now. Um, Right, the so there's formal so, certification programs and there's more informal things that people can do, as you said, on the web. I think you have circles that are available yeah. for practitioners. And exactly. what about individuals? Like, what would you recommend to an individual that's wanting to do this work on themselves? How do well, they get a practitioner? One of the things we have, you know, on the self, the Center for Self Leadership's website is find a therapist because, mm -hmm. um, you, that no better way to learn about your parts than do the work. Mm -hmm. So we have a list of all the people that are trained in IFS, um, and you could start exploring that. It, you know, it's one of the things that we're doing here is as, as we're aware that as we bring this to the world and people start becoming more self aware, mm -hmm. start getting in touch with their parts, their wounds are going to show up. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and what we're doing, and we, I want to be very clear about this because I want to, we want to do this in a responsible way is people shouldn't be healing their wounds on their own. Mm-hmm. Like if a, if a wound comes up, go into therapy and find, you know, find somebody who can do this work. I mean, I, there, there's people all really, we're teach, we're doing trainings in China and Israel all throughout Europe and the United States. You can find an IFS therapist um, who can help you heal some of those wounds. And I, you know, I'm going to add to this that in traditional therapy, someone would often be in that therapy for years. And this is not something that takes years. Yes, it's accelerated. It really is because it moves the work quickly. It's much more about healing and repairing that internal relationship between the self and the parts because some wound, some shaming event, something caused a chasm in the internal relationship. And so when you have people start going inside, it really does move work along quickly. It's a much more accelerated form of healing for sure. So I would say to anyone listening that go into this work with a very open mind and also go into this work expressing gratitude as he did in the meditation for all those parts of you. When they feel welcome and they feel included, everything unfolds incredibly rapidly. It's really powerful. It really is. It's an amazing experience. So I want to thank you so much. And I want to thank um, John and Dick as well for putting me in touch with you. This has been a beautiful hour, and I can only imagine that the work you are doing will really shift this world, and this world needs shifting, as we both know. So thank you so much. You're welcome. It's been a pleasure to be a part of this. I really appreciate it. And I've enjoyed myself, so thank you. Mm, It was fun. We've just spent the last hour with Dr. Frank Anderson, MD, and his revolutionary work with internal family systems, helping people to transform themselves through self-awareness and emotional healing. For more information on Dr. Anderson, go to frankandersonmd.com. Find him on my page on TalkZone or at www.imaginaconsulting.com. This is Liza Pullman, and I will see you next week on The Edge.